0: Take your Bibles tonight, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I'm going to begin a study tonight, and and we're going to continue this study Sunday evening, and then we'll finish it up, Lord willing, next Wednesday. That might clear up some confusion many of you had in the bulletin why part two was before part one. Uh, Tonight is uh, the abundant life, part one, and then Sunday night will be part two, and then Wednesday part three, and I intended to, actually, this was going to be the message I was going to preach this coming Sunday evening, and when I started writing the message, it it, it got too long, so I decided, okay, well, I'll do it on the two Wednesday evenings, and before very long, it got too long for that, so I told pastor, I said, well, I'll, I'll do it on Wednesday evening, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and Really, uh, it's longer than that, but we're going to have to end it there because he's coming back. So uh, he won't let me preach anymore. So that's it. So we'll end it up next Wednesday evening, Lord willing. We may not even get done with tonight's part. I don't know. But uh, we're going to try. Suppose tonight that I could offer you a life that guarantees you a joy that is greater than any other, Suppose I could guarantee you a life tonight that gives you a blessedness that yields contentment in its fullest measure. Suppose that I tonight could offer you a life that gives you an assurance that cannot be shaken. Or a life that gives you a peace that surpasses understanding. Would you be interested in a life such as that? How many of you would say, I would like that kind of life? I'm sorry, but I can't offer you that life. However, I can tell you who can. His name is Jesus. Jesus, by his own confirmation, came to give us life. But more than just to give us life, he came to give us an abundant life. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, we read, The the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, Jesus says, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Far too many today assume that this abundant life uh, implies that Jesus wants us to have all the material things in life that would make us comfortable and happy. And there are many false teachers who preach just that. They proclaim what we call prosperity preaching. They tell you that that Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to be fat and sassy, rich and happy, and all these other things. And they give many a false understanding of this scripture. Paul warned about them in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where he writes, "...perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth." Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Paul states next, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I submit to you tonight that the abundant life that Jesus spoke of is not a materialistic life. It is an abundant spiritual life that he has come to give us. It's a life lived in righteousness... And holiness, it's a life given by God, ruled by Christ, and led of the Holy Spirit. It's a life that manifests the image of Christ in the believer. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This abundant life. Through Jesus' teachings, we can learn how to live this abundant life. And it is these teachings that I want to delve into for the next few evening services that we have. So look with me, if you would, please, at John chapter 15, and I'll begin reading at verse number 1. You may remain seated and read along silently with me, if you will. We read here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I like that. Uh, You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials and sufferings. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have hardships. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be called upon by the Lord to, to suffer. He says here that those branches that bear fruit, God purges them so that they can bring forth even more fruit. That's a comfort tonight for a believer, to know that even when we're in trials and tribulations, God is working in our lives to make us stronger. Look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And what Jesus is literally saying in this verse, he's comparing this, by the way, to the cleansing of a leper. If you have a reference Bible, if you have a Bible that references other scriptures, uh, this scripture links to Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 6. And in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 6, we read read about the priest declaring the leper clean. pastor preached about this just recently, if you remember. And isn't this a wonderful thing? Jesus tells us in verse 3, uh, that, that we, his children, we are clean. We have been declared clean by God. Now look at verse 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much Fruit. Now I want you to pay careful attention to that word fruit, because this is where in our in our Christian circles today all of the misunderstanding uh, in this passage comes to play. He says, For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is a picture, by the way, of all the tares amongst the wheat that one day will be cast headlong into hell. All those people who are deceived and believe that they are a part of the true vine. Verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now here's here's another stickler here. The false teachers love to claim this verse and say, "God God is obligated to give you whatever you want. But is that what that means? Well, we're going to see. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. There's that word fruit again. It pops up many times in here. Verse number 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that everything that we did today would bring glory to your name. I pray that all of our thoughts today, all of our actions today, all the words we spoke would be used to edify those around us and would have been used to glorify and honor you. Now, Lord, as we come together in this place tonight, we, we ask that your Spirit would teach us and instruct us, that you would strengthen us in the true vine, that you would help us to understand the great blessings that you have for us and the abundant life that you desire that we have. Thank you for this time. We ask that you would bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice the three parties identified in this allegory that we just read we see the husbandman, the vine, and the branches. The vehicle used by Jesus to teach this lesson is a vineyard. First tonight, let us discuss the husbandman. Now, the husbandman is a, a husbandman is the owner of a, of, a, of, a, of a farm or a ranch, or in this case, a vineyard. All things pertaining to the vineyard belong to the husbandman. He is the sole proprietor and has complete control over the disposition and the welfare of the vineyard. In other words, he is the sovereign ruler of the vineyard. The husbandman, Jesus tells us, is the father. It is he that planted and tends to the vine. It is he that waters it. It is he that tills the ground around it. It is he that prunes and grafts the branches into the vine the vineyard is his now we turn our attention to the vine the vine is the source of life for the fruit of the vineyard it is the foundation from which the branches grow and the foundation from which all fruit is produced without the vine there would be no vineyard. Without the vine, there could be no life. And without the vine, there would be no fruit. The vine here we see is Christ himself. He is the vine planted by the Father. Jesus tells us in John six thirty eight, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. His life is sustained by the husbandman. All his care is tended to by the Father. He is rooted and built up in the Godhead, and his strength flows from the same. So we see the husbandman is God the Father. The vine is Christ. But then there's a third reference, and it's the reference to the branches. The branches are we, the saints of God. It is you and I who have been grafted into the vine. And this grafting is done by the work and by the will of the husbandman. We did not choose the vine. I wasn't a dead branch lying on the ground one day and said, Oh, that vine looks nice. I think I'll go attach myself to that vine. That's not the way it works, is it? We didn't choose the vine. The vine chose us. In John 15, and verse 16, Jesus states, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We grow into a productive branch, not because of our own labors. Rather, we draw our life And our strength from the vine. It is the vine that nourishes the branches. We produce fruit in our lives. Because of the vine. Not apart from the vine. If the branch grows too far away from the vine. It will lack the nourishment it needs to produce the fruit from the vine. This is why we. See the pruning work of the husbandman. And this, Christian, is why God prunes or chastises us. We, we, we don't get to live a, a bed of roses life. As God's children, we will be chastised. How many of you parents ever disciplined your children? What happens if you don't discipline a child? We see it every day. In America. If you work in anything having to do with children in America today, you see the results of not chastising, not pruning that branch. The branch is you and I. Every branch, Jesus says, in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth. More fruit. Now, the hope of our abundant life begins right here. It begins with we, the branches, being pruned and cared for by the husbandman, God. So that, why? So that we will bear fruit in the vine, which is Christ. The branches apart from the vine cannot produce fruit. In fact... The branches, apart from the vine, cannot have life. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, we read, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. In this we see The lost souls of men. They do not abide in the vine, therefore they neither have life, nor do they have hope of life. The branch lying on the ground apart from the vine has no hope of life. But our life flows from the vine. Therefore it is easy to understand that an abundant life would also have to flow from the vine. So now the pattern is established. Life, Jesus states, is found in him and him alone. And more than just life, abundant life. So let us examine this abundant life. Using the picture and the illustration that Jesus gives us of the husbandman, the vine, and the branches... What is the abundant life? Well, I know for a fact we could spend several months studying these 15 passages of Scripture I just read. However, since we do have limited time, allow me to share some of the more prominent thoughts with you. So tonight we're going to begin by looking at the abundant life is a fruitful life. The abundant life is a fruitful life. Look with me again at John chapter 15 and verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now we're all aware of the many parables that Jesus gave of, of the tares amongst the wheat. And we know that Jesus taught us that in our churches and in, in our congregations and in our fellowships, there will be those false professors, those who, who claim to be uh, a, a, a true child of God but are not. And Jesus said the branches that, 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 in him, that, that are in him that do not bear the fruit of the vine are, are not branches that, that are, are abiding in the vine. These are the tares amongst the wheat. So let me ask you what is most important to you tonight as you sit in this church tonight what is most important to you men is it to be a loving husband or or ladies is it to be a loving wife is that the most important thing to you is it to be a strong compassionate father or mother for your children is it to be is it to advance in your career and and to become a, a very well-known and prominent uh, engineer or scientist or, or uh, whatever it is you do? Is it to gain financial security? To pile up money and IRAs and retirement accounts and stocks and bonds and you're so concerned about your financial security that that occupies all of your, all of your thought and all of your actions in life? Now, by the way, these, none of these are bad things. You should be a good husband. You should be a good wife. You should be a good parent. You should be a faithful employee. You should, you should look after the needs of your family. These, are, these are, are, are good things, but this is a very important question to answer. What is most important to you tonight? And the reason that it's so important is because the thing that is most important to you will, dis, will determine your priorities and your focus in life. Just a moment ago we looked at John chapter 15 and verse 16 where Jesus stated you have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and this should be our goal tonight. The desire of our heart tonight should be to bring forth fruit abundantly because this is what we've been ordained to do. And as a branch that abides in the vine, I will bear the fruits that God has ordained in me. And I will accomplish the things that God wants me to do, and as well as the things that I desire to be. Because if I abide in the vine, I will be a good husband. If I abide in the vine, Jesus will teach me how to be that good husband. Or he'll teach you how to be that good wife. I I will be a strong and compassionate father because Jesus, if I abide in the vine, Jesus will give me the ability to be a good father. I'll be a faithful servant to my church because when I abide in the vine, Jesus will empower me to be a servant in my church. I will be a kind and a loyal friend because when I abide in the vine, Jesus will give me peace and joy And will will help me to dwell at peace with all men. I will be able to be all the things I want to be. Because these things are the ordained fruits of the vine. So what exactly then is meant by bearing fruit? If an abundant life includes bearing fruit through Christ. Then I had better understand what this means. I had better have it right concerning these things in my life that are considered to be fruits, these things that, what is considered bearing fruit in my life. And there's a lot of confusion on this, by the way. There's a lot of people who, who teach many different things concerning this word fruit found in John chapter 15. But what are these fruits? Well, in the Bible, bearing fruit is illustrative of a few things, and I'm going to share some with you. First, it's illustrative of the works of the Spirit in our life. In Galatians chapter 5, we read of the, the fruit, singular, fruit of the Spirit. We read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The fruit of the works of the Spirit in our life. Now many, many possess some of these, but not all of them. But I, I, I draw your attention to the, to the fact it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the of the spirit How many of you've ever seen fake fruit? Huh? Yeah. You can't eat fake fruit. Well, you can, but it's not going to be very tasty and it's not going to nourish you, is it? And and this is what we see in so many people today. phony fruit. fake fruit. It's like a dead branch from an apple tree laying on the ground and suddenly someone put fake fruit on it and said, hey, look, apple tree, here's some fruit. And that's what we see in so many of our churches today. That's what we see in so many Christians today because they don't understand that the fruit doesn't come from them and their efforts. The fruit grows from the vine. The vine sends the the nourishment and sends the fruit to the the branch, and the branch buds forth the the nourishment and the energy of the vine and produces fruit from the vine. The vine doesn't just sit back and say, okay, branch, what kind of fruit are you going to grow today? The vine tells the fruit what to grow. Amen? And Jesus is the producer of our fruit. And when we're, when we're spinning our wheels in life doing all these things because we want to have these fruits, Jesus says, wonderful, but that's not my fruit. I had nothing to do with that fruit. And I do not accept that fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Listen. If we are attached to the vine, if we dwell in the vine, our life will produce the fruit of the Spirit. We will live with all of these elements of the fruit. And this fruit, by the way, is alien to human nature. Now, Paul does tell us the fruits of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 The works of the flesh are the inverse of the fruit of the Spirit. And there is no way that we can produce fruit of the Spirit apart from the vine, apart from Jesus. Remember, a branch can only produce fruit from the vine. A branch attached to the world's vine will produce the fruits of the flesh, not the fruit of the Spirit. However, when we have been grafted into the true vine... And when he, we come to the place where we yield our life unto the Holy Spirit, then this fruit is manifested in our lives through the vine. And our life brings glory and honor to the husbandman, to the father. Then we bear the fruit that God has ordained that we should bear. It will be a fruit pleasing unto God. And this fruit remains. Remember, Jesus said, but I have chosen you And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. But not only is is bearing fruit in scripture illustrative of the works of the Spirit in our life, but it's also, secondly, illustrative of the winning of souls through our witness. Now there are some people that place all the emphasis of fruit in this one thing. And certainly I believe that winning souls is important. I believe it's important that we, as God's children, go forth and preach the gospel and witness unto all those around us. But if all of the emphasis of fruit is placed on this, then many of God's children will never live an abundant life. Because many do not have the, the, the characteristic in life to go forth and be an aggressive, what they call aggressive soul winning. So certainly our fruit is is illustrative in our our witness, in the winning of souls through our witness. In Proverbs chapter 11, in verse 30, Solomon states, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now the fruit in this instance is the witness that we have in Christ. We all understand that it is not we who save souls. It is the Lord. And we further understand that God has not commanded us to go out and save souls. He has commanded us to be witnesses of the grace of God. So what is Solomon speaking of when he talks about the fruit of the righteous? He is speaking of the righteousness of the believer, which is brought forth under the influence of divine grace from Christ. He is saying... Because of the new nature imputed to us at salvation, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and his work in our life, we have a witness for Christ. We have become branches which bear forth the fruit of righteousness, but not our own righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul states... And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This is a fruit that is attractive to those whom God has called and chosen. And the righteousness we have through the vine causes us to bear a witness for Christ. And by this witness, men are drawn... To the vine. Remember, John, Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 30, 32, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What happens when you walk past a tree filled with beautiful fruit? Huh? In our backyard, there's a plum tree. And that plum tree, some of the branches hang over on my side of the fence. And I see those nice. My wife one day she said, Oh, look at those plums. And I tootled over there and grabbed a rake and pulled the branch down. And I grabbed that fruit. Just a few minutes later, the neighbor was out there getting fruit too. He saw me and he was attracted to that fruit. I, I bared witness of the beautiful fruit on the branch. And he just couldn't resist. He had to go and had to get some too. I was drawn to that tree because of the fruit. And so was my neighbor. And when we abide in Christ, and when we understand it's not us, it's nothing we've done. And when we, when we allow Christ to control and live through us, our life begins to produce fruit. And that fruit is the righteousness of Christ, not my righteousness. His righteousness begins to show forth shine forth through our lives because he, the vine, has nourished us and he is the one that bears the fruit through us. And then people walk by and they look at that fruit and they become hungry and they hunger for that righteousness. And we are just a witness. And we tell them of the grace of God and the wonder of Christ. And they say, I want that fruit. Amen? we witness. And then, thirdly, bearing fruit is illustrative of our spiritual growth. Turn with me quickly to 2 Peter chapter 5, 2 Peter chapter 5, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I'm talking about our spiritual growth. We read here from Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, all of these characteristics, virtue, which which means morality, knowledge, which means discernment, temperance, which means self-control, patience, which means lasting endurance, godliness, which is purity, brotherly kindness, which is compassion, and charity, which is love. All of these chronicle the spiritual growth of the believer. Now, apart from the vine, these fruits of spiritual growth would be unattainable. Oh, perhaps we could gain a semblance of these, as I said earlier, fake fruit, wax fruit. Brother Ekno told us a story at men's retreat of how his mother believed that there should always be fruit on the table but with that many children it was impossible to keep fruit on the table. So she stopped putting real fruit and she started putting fake fruit on the table. And he said he walked over and grabbed a, a, a fake banana and bit, or a fake apple and bit down into it and said, what in the world is this? You can't eat it. It's good for nothing. And that's That's what happens. Oh, we may be able to produce some of these in our life sometime. We might be able to to have patience at some times. We might be able to even exhibit brotherly kindness sometimes. But it's not real fruit. It has no substance. It can offer no satisfaction. God has ordained that we should produce these fruits of spiritual growth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Paul states, or Peter states in verses 17 through 18, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away of the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now look at verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And we grow in these by knowledge of the word of God. Peter again states in 1 Peter chapter 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Pastor's down there waiting for his daughter to have a baby right now. My daughter's expecting in a couple of months. When that baby is born, I'll hold that little baby boy in my arms. But I won't say, I hope you stay just like you are. I'm going to say, hurry up and grow and get to be six foot seven so you can play on our basketball team. I want him to grow. I've already made reservations at Disneyland. He's got to grow up so we can go. God doesn't want you to stay infants. He wants you to grow. He desires that you would grow spiritually. And when we, are, when we are attached to the vine, when we abide in Christ, he sends all that we need so that we'll grow. He teaches us virtue. He shows us how to have knowledge. He, he imparts to us temperance. He, he gives us patience. He, 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 he imposes to us godliness. He instructs us in brotherly kindness, and he, he grants to us charity. You don't learn any of these on your own. You don't grow them on your own. Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, And the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop living your life apart from the vine. Stop trying to be what God wants you to be. And just let God show you how to be. What he wants you to be. Dwell in the vine. Attach yourself to the vine. Abide in Christ. Abide in his word. Abide in his will. Abide in his service. Make every moment of your life, live every moment of your life with a consciousness and awareness of Christ. And yield yourself to him in the Holy Spirit. And God says, I will bring fruit to your life. And fruit that will remain in your life. The abundant life is a fruitful life. It is a life of righteousness and holiness. And this righteousness and holiness has been given to us under the influence of the divine grace we have through Jesus Christ. And this produces fruit in our life. Fruit that remains. And these fruits will bring us the life I spoke of earlier, that life of joy. Joy that cannot be, what did I say? Joy greater than any other. It brings us that blessedness that yields contentment in its fullest measure. It gives us that assurance that cannot be shaken, that peace that surpasses understanding. If we abide in him, a life of joy, blessedness, assurance, and peace. Let us pray. Our Father, for too long now, we have have strived to produce fruits in our life that would please you. We try to do things so that we can be worthy of you. But we understand and realize that there's nothing that we can do to please you. There's nothing we can do to be worthy of you. You're not asking us to do these things. What you're asking us to do is abide in you. You're asking us to be a branch that's attached to the vine and that we will allow the vine to give us life and that this life will flow through the branch and will produce the fruits that you desire that we produce. Then we will know how to love We will know how to be patient. We will learn compassion. We'll have a witness that is a true witness because it's not a witness of what we've done but a witness of who you are. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd give us the wisdom to understand your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would instruct us. As we leave this place tonight, I pray that We would desire to be the branches abiding in the vine, cared for by the love of the husband. We ask you to bless this time now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.